we have meaningful at the center of everything we do. We're really focused on how do we help uh, make a meaningful difference for customers, for brands, and for people. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. The way we work has changed forever, and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Labby, Chief People Officer at TopTel. I'm excited today to welcome Patty Clark as my guest. Patty is the Global Chief Talent Officer at the Havas Group, one of the largest communications firms in the world. Havas has offices in more than 100 countries and has more than 20,000 employees in all different types of roles, including PR, marketing, communications, design, media buying, and much more. Patty oversees talent for all of them while helping shape the company's cultural strategy and spearheading innovative talent programs. Over her 10 years at Havas, Patty has launched initiatives on network mobility, global onboarding, employee engagement, and employer branding. She's also recently launched a pilot program for women's leadership development and advancement and is working to expand diversity and inclusion initiatives. Patty's experience includes a 20-year career at Dun & Bradstreet, where for nine of those years, she was Chief Human Resources Officer. I'm personally excited to talk with Patty today. We quickly bonded when we met through Chief, a private networking group that connects and supports women executive leaders. During our monthly meetings, when we are sharing stories and challenges, it seems that we are always very closely aligned. Patty, thanks for joining me today. I always look forward to hearing your ideas and opinions. It's great to be with you here, Michelle. I'm really excited to do this with you. Thank you. I'd love to start by learning more about Havas, which was founded, I didn't realize this, in 1835. And today is one of the largest global advertising and communications agencies in the world. So what exactly does a communication and advertising agency do And how does it continue to evolve for being around since 1835? Havas is based out of France, which is a really great opportunity for us because we're multicultural and multinational at the same time. And what we do is help companies and brands share their message in the marketplace. And uh, that can be done in a variety of different ways, whether that's through a traditional TV ad or uh, something digital, uh, social, uh, experiential, uh, PR. We deliver in many different ways. And I think the thing at Havas is that we have meaningful at the center of everything we do. So we're really focused on how do we help uh, make a meaningful difference for customers, for brands, and for people. And that, I think, is a differentiator in terms of our approach to how we do our work. Great. I was actually reading about the Havas Impact Plus, which is your sustainability strategy, which encompasses the environment, people, and meaningful communication. I think those are your pillars. What do these pillars look like? Or can you give me examples? They sound so interesting, especially with all that's going on in the world around sustainability and environment. From a Havas perspective, you know, we are committed to reducing our environmental footprint of our operations and achieving net zero 
carbon emissions by 2025. So that means there's a lot of different things going on around our 60 villages, which is the way we live at Havas. Those actions go down through everything from how often do we fly and, and what are the things that we're doing within our agencies to make sure that we're protecting the environment. We have won a lot of awards in terms of our approach to uh, CSR and, and the environment. When it comes to the people piece, it's it's making sure that the environment that is in place for our people is one that they feel respected and safe. We also run most of our DEI work through the people pillar. So we have our global all-in approach to DEI, which is a bit different in terms of really going at it from a perspective of everyone around the globe can do something to be advancing DEI. And uh, the final piece is around communications and responsible communications. And that really comes to life in our business. What we do is help people communicate in many different forms and really being responsible about how we do that in, in everything means that, you know, we're putting that at the front end of how we design and develop all our different communications. Are your villages your offices? Yeah, so we have three major networks within Havas, um, a media network, a creative network, and our health network. We are co-located in most major cities or countries, and it really enables us to offer our clients an approach where you can pull on any of the resources and the capabilities that exist. And where we have clients across all three of those networks, we're able to support them from a village center. And it gives our people the opportunity to be exposed to and participate in different types of events and clubs and things of that nature across all three networks. It's not just the agency that you're a part of. It's a really nice way that we exist and also um, how we support our clients by being together. I haven't heard of villages. So that's, I love that term. Yeah. So you recently celebrated your 10 year anniversary at Havas. Yeah. So what initially drew you to the company and an agency since Dun & Bradstreet was not that type of environment? <laughs> um, and, and what's made you stay there for 10 years? I think, you know, when you're going to make a career change, you have to kind of be dramatic about it if you really want to challenge yourself. So I had 20 beautiful years at DMB. I had multiple careers within the time there. And when I made the decision to move on, I needed to kind of think through what would be different. So I took a little time and really went out and explored. I had some other interests. I did a lot of nonprofit work. I thought maybe I'd work in a nonprofit. Um, I thought maybe consulting. And through the experience, I kind of decided those two areas would not be something I'd want to pursue right now. Through networking, I got introduced to this opportunity at Havas. And I think the thing that was interesting to me was the industry was in, at that time, a pretty significant transformation around digital. And secondly, it was also an industry that hadn't really focused a lot on talent. And so they really needed something to kind of be built out at Havas. And I saw that as an opportunity in terms of being able to kind of draw on my own entrepreneurial spirit and help build out something. And it was not as corporate, uh, yet there was a pace and an energy and um, a diversity of people that I found really attractive, as well as the opportunity to really build something out. So that's what that's what got me here. And it's hard to believe it's been 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I think 
15 years ago, I was at an agency. I was at Razorfish and I remember walking in the door and just that like creative energy and all these things that they're designing for their clients and these ad campaigns and, you know, Super Bowl ads and all these crazy, it's just, it's, it's a whole different yeah. type of excitement and energy. You know, being the chief HR officer of a public company, especially one that's going through transformation, you spend a lot of time in board meetings and on compliance and regulatory matters and whatnot. And so with this next opportunity, I kept saying to myself, I wanted to do something that brought me closer to the people where I could actually be part of making an impact and, and kind of experience it through the people. And that has been probably one of the greatest joys of my role here at Havas. Well, not only have you worked at Havas for 10 years, but um, I'm equally impressed that you are on the board of the University of Scranton, which is your alma mater. Um, for yes. six years, you've been there and you're an active member of the president's business council, not to mention a mentor to many students. I ha- had to bring this question up since people can't see me, but my background right now is the office. I'm an office addict. <laughs> Hi, Michael. I, I'm office- <laughs> scary enough. I, I, I love the office, maybe because yes. it's the HR person there is takes a beating in every episode. And I just for some <laughs> reason, it's my escape. <laughs> But, you know, what's kept you so entrenched still in the community? When my sons were probably in later years of grammar school, I really had a desire to like do a little bit outside of work. So for a long time, it was hard. Like you, I was a single parent for quite a number of years. And so taking on extracurricular stuff was a bit challenging. And I had a visit from a couple of folks who were running the president's business council. And they were like, we really would love for you to get engaged. You know, would you just mentor someone? And so it kind of started down that path. And I really enjoyed mentoring um, the students. I went on to become the president of the president's business council, and then was asked and honored to serve on the board of trustees. You know, for me, I think it was a comfortable place to kind of re-engage and and to give back and to help support the university and to help support the students. And I think what I got back was quite generous as well in terms of the wonderful students I've met, the faculty, other trustees. It's one of those special places in my heart. So we've seen a tremendous change in how people work, right, in the office, um, outside the office, the whole remote thing. What have you seen in terms of employee engagement trends and the way people work? You know, what do you think is going to happen in the next six to 12 months? TopTel is a fully remote company, but you're hybrid and, and doing your thing, so... It's really varied around the world in terms of following whatever the um, the laws and protocols were around the pandemic. In France, for example, people have been back to work hybrid since over a year ago. In other parts of the world, we have people that are fully in the office. I think in the U.S., it's been a little slower, um, particularly here in New York. Our offices have been open, so they're here for people who would like to come in. I think especially in New York City, you have a lot of people living in very small apartments sometimes with roommates. So it's nice to have the place to go to. And we will be moving towards a full return to the office in in the spring. You know, it's interesting. We just finished our employee survey. So we have a very robust survey process. And this year we added in a series of questions. First of all, 
Are you fully remote? Are you hybrid? And we also ask about caregiving responsibilities. So do you have child care responsibilities? Do you have adult care or do you have both? We are actively right now looking at the data and what does that tell us in terms of how people are faring and, and what is going on from a work life perspective, you know, because it's not all completely rosy being hybrid either. You know, we see some trends there around people having difficulty managing two types of lives, one that's partly working at home and one that's partly working in the office. So I think over the next six months, everyone's going to go in with kind of positive intent of how it's all going to work. But I think it will evolve as the actual experience happens. And I think agility is the new thing for leaders. You know, we're working with our leaders around how you lead is so much different now from than it was two years ago. You know, you're no longer going to be observing everyone in the office. You have to be more of a coach. You have to like have a different set of communication skills. And we'll be working with our leaders also on how they need to shift their leadership to accommodate, you know, what employees are looking for. And I mean, one of the things you and I have in common is having this global reach around the world and thousands of people everywhere. And and I assume it goes one step further with what's happened in the past week with the global unrest that's happening. How are you navigating this latest piece of it? Obviously, uh, we have affiliates in the Ukraine. And uh, if you lift it up further into Vivendi, our parent company, you know, our, our uh, company Gameloft has two studios um, in the Ukraine. So we've had very active outreach and support going on for the um, employees and affiliates that were associated with there. And our CEO has written to the whole organization, letting them know the level of support that we are providing. And um, we're also going to be putting in place a mechanism for safe giving, uh, because unfortunately in the world we live in, there's everything isn't necessarily um, safe to give your money to. We're so to we're working thing. on uh, launching something in that regard in the next couple of days so that employees can give and then the organization will match. On a more just common level, you know, everyone's been living in, you know, a state of anxiety. I forget what the statistic is, but more people have anxiety than ever, you know, given the, the situation with the pandemic. And you layer on top of that what's going on in the Ukraine with Russia. And I think it just, you know, leads to the need to really be helping employees with their stress and their anxiety, which is why we launched Be Kind to Your Mind last year, which is a comprehensive kind of approach to mental wellness. And we're going to continue to evolve that. We have uh, a number of really practical expert-led seminars, which are techniques that employees can take and use, like how to shut off at the end of the day and how to work smarter. And we've had thousands of employees showing up for these sessions. We also have our Wellness Wednesdays, which is kind of the reminder in the middle of the week to take a break and go take a walk, um, get off your devices, whatever the mechanism is. And, you know, we're finding more than ever, you know, this is this is something that you have to have in place. It's a key talent strategy, really, that is an essential now. I know that you were chosen as a judge for something around <laughs> mental wellness, too. This can happen awards. 
Yeah. So this can happen is also one of the partners that we're working with and they have an awards ceremony, which is meant to highlight the organizations that have brought mental wellness into um, how they operate and have made it a priority while at the same time enabling sharing of best practices and techniques. And so I'm honored to be a judge. There will be sessions where you take, you go through all the different categories and it's a very um, diverse group of people and experiences in terms of who the judges are. I'm looking forward to meeting them all and learning from them. And, you know, they basically shortlist down to a certain number and then they have an awards ceremony in June where they recognize the winners, so to speak, in the organizations. But Anybody that's doing anything in my mind is winning in this space. And it's, it's, you know, it's so needed for employees, um, given, given the world we've been living in and, and current events as you, you recognize. I think it's all about being supportive, right? We had to support all of our folks during the pandemic and it, it just keeps adding on one more thing to make sure people know that. It's people first. Absolutely. And I think just back to leaders, it's it's also, you know, it's a different role for leaders and it's a tougher role because some of what you're trying to check in on and assess on is on a screen. It's not all, you know, back in the office. So I do think it's also important that leaders be enabled to kind of make the shifts that they have to make in terms of supporting employees because it, it is much different than, you know, two plus years ago. We're recording this podcast on the first day of International Women's Month. So I wanted to draw attention to a program that you all launched several years ago, the FEMS Forward, designed for helping women leaders at Havas advance their career. Would love to hear more about that program. First of all, at Havas, we're really proud to have 56% of the population be women and 43% be in senior leader roles. That said, there's always work to be done. And we, uh, in 2018, realized that there was an issue with senior manager, director level women getting promoted at the same pace as men. And so we spent a significant amount of time kind of understanding what some of the issues might be, which ranged from ambition gaps to confidence gaps to outright bias in some offices and whatnot. And then we looked at what are the different ways that women get developed. And that ranged from, you know, going to a leadership development program to a skills-based program to being coached or mentored, even in our industry, sometimes having an experience like going to South by Southwest or going to Cannes or something like that. And what we tried to do really with Fem Forward was give them a little bit of all of that. And so there's a formal leadership assessment and there's skill-based training. There's access to senior women and panel discussions. And, you know, we went into that thinking it would be have to be adjusted globally. And I think um, one of the most stunning kind of aha moments was the women around the world all were the same. The exact same things came out of their mouth, whether we were in London or Paris. Um, we ran a group in APAC that we had women from uh, 12 different countries. And the challenges were very, very common. And so 
we set out and we've done the program globally in person until the pandemic. And then we flipped it to be a virtual program and ran it in four different regions last year. And the results of it have been really fantastic. We have a 90 plus retention rate for women in um, that have been through Femme Forward. When they've completed the program a year later, we have a 50% promotion rate. And I just got a letter last week from a woman who was in our French program uh, last year. She just got promoted. And it was a beautiful letter saying how much Femme Forward played in her ability to kind of navigate, ask for what she wanted, you know, work towards that, giving her the skills and the language and the advancement plan, which is what they leave with, which is a plan they create during the process to help them move to the next place that they want to go to. We are launching a special edition of what we're calling Femme Forward Academy, which is going to be for women with one to three years experience. And they'll be able to self-select into the program. We're going to have a couple cohorts that have a couple hundred women in them. And we're really excited about offering this opportunity to um, our more junior women in the business and helping them get a fast track on, on their careers and, you know, helping them own themselves and, and, and whatnot. So I love that. Well, I would love to wrap up this amazing conversation with one last question. So what has been your proudest moment as a leader? You know, my, my proudest moments are the ones like that letter, because you know, you've made a difference or an impact in someone's life through the work that you're doing. And to me, that, is what's most meaningful. Last week, I was in London and I was together with some of our participants who were in our high potential leaders program a couple of years ago. And just hearing the impact the program still is having on them and the, the community that they've formed, that makes me exceptionally proud because people being able to connect with each other and, and be with each other and have those relationships at work and to grow as a result of some program that my team and I have put together just makes me exceptionally proud. You've done amazing work. So I would be proud too. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Talent Economy podcast. I appreciate your willingness to join and and chat with me. So anything for you, Michelle. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Talent Economy. I'm your host, Michelle Labby. You can find much more information about the talent economy on staffing.com and toptel.com slash insights. Hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.